This is the Non-Typical Nation podcast with your hosts, Brody Teal and Eric Liberty. Let's talk hunting and absolutely everything else that goes with it. We are back with another podcast, everybody, and I am sipping on some smoked coffee, the Smoke and Cherry by Old Smokes Coffee. This is a medium roast. It is absolutely fantastic. High in caffeine, so perfect for the podcast this evening. Go to oldsmokescoffee.com, use promo code NONTYPICAL for a wicked discount, and enjoy. We are back for another podcast. It is just about our favorite time of year. Guys, we are just a few days out from the 25th, the opener of bow season all across Alberta and the opener of sheep season. You know, everybody, uh, a lot of the other provinces have been hunting for the last month already, but here in Alberta, it's the 25th of August. So it's just about go time. Yeah, I'm pumped up, man. It's a toss up for myself between spring bear season and archery season. Um, you know, we've hunted, I've hunted bears now for five, six years and that spring season, I just love, you know, you got long days, warm weather, and, uh, there's a lot of bears around and it's, it's a ton of fun. And the spring, the early archery season is a lot similar. You got long days, you got nice weather, it's not freezing. And those deer are still in their summer pattern. So they're very easy to pattern if you've done your homework in the off season. And those are my two... Like I said, it's a toss-up between those two, man. The two, you know, most favorite times of year, especially when it comes to hunting, is that that early archery season and then that uh, that spring bear season. So I am pumped right up. Um, I've been trying for a velvet whitetail for the past three or four years. Had a close, close chance um, or opportunity. I did have an opportunity, but I missed about two years ago. And um, it's been haunting me since then. Last year, I got the archery moose the second day of the season. So that sort of kiboshed my first week of hunting um but hopefully this year it happens i'm super excited and you're heading out to the mountains in a few days here three yeah, or four days a couple days i'll be heading out on the 22nd started climbing uh start climbing the mountains and get back into the sheep country nice nice so um you did some scouting a few weeks back you hitting the same spot or are you trying something new or what's your game plan um i'm not gonna go into the same area we were scouting uh, definitely going to go back into an area I know a little bit more about the uh, the area I was in the very first year I went sheep hunting, and uh, you know we just saw a lot of animals back there. It was a little bit harder working to get back there, and so there's just less less foot traffic, less people traffic, and uh, that's that's huge for me, especially on my sheep hunt. You know I I do a ten day backpack hunt to get away from everybody, and uh, and you know we saw saw over 100 sheep too when we were back there so yeah that was unreal so that was um the sheep hunting episode that we put up on youtube i think we published that one two years ago or so now because that was i think it was 2018 18 yeah yeah was it 2018 last year was 2019 yeah that's so right. it was the year before last yeah really yeah holy shit i thought it was the year before that i think it was 2018 yeah because i've gone well last year i had to go solo and then the year before that is when we had the team go in back there. Yeah, all yeah, of us. that's right. Yeah. Oh, right on. Yeah. So that was um, that was a cool hunt. I really enjoyed putting that episode together, and um, you know, you've seen a dozen mountain goats, and yeah, just over a hundred sheep. That is unreal. But yeah, no legal rams. No rams at all. Actually, you know, well, we saw some ewes and lambs, obviously, but uh, yeah, no rams. The one day. Uh, you know, and me and Dylan climbed over, we sort of really stretched the one day and put put some distance between us and where our base camp was. 
and uh, sort of the furthest we could really reach for the day without uh, having camp on our back. And we saw a, a group of sheep through the heat waves and everything. We could tell they were sheep, big-bodied sheep, a smaller group. You know, the ewes, the bands of ewes we were seeing were like 30, 25, 30. And uh, this was like a group of like 10. And so we sort of both were thinking, you know, that's got to be the rams, but they were just... Just too, one too many ridges over for us to even even really think about it, you know, nearing okay. the end of our trip and and being so far from camp already for wow. that for that day. Just, yeah. You know, sometimes you just have to call it. So how they must have been quite a ways away if you couldn't see them with the spotting scope. And yeah, they were there. quite a ways away. Yeah. And like I said, it was a heat of the day um, or a very hot day sort of coming down into the evening. And they just we, we literally just watched their white butts just go around a ridge wow. and uh yeah when we could see them good it was still too hot and then they were just going further and further and further away and then sh- yeah. sure enough they disappeared so are you gonna go a little farther this year or are you gonna you know try that same i'm gonna start area? in that area that we uh, sort of had our base camp set up there's a little lake in there and uh there used to be some horse camp a horse camp back up in there but it's it's long um you know the trail's long been shot out there's nothing no, nobody goes back there anymore, at least on horseback. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to set up there initially and then push ridge, ridge after ridge after that until I uh, find some sheep. And then, you know, when it's time to come out, we'll just drop back down onto the big river and walk our way out. Nice. Right on. Um, and so it's a general archery mule deer tag. Are you bringing that bow with you? You know, we've been talking about this yeah. for a couple of weeks. I'm... You haven't made I'm the still, decision I haven't, yet. I haven't bit the bullet yet. I no. told him, I said, leave the bow at home. You're going for a sheep. You're going to be packing out a sheep, so don't even bother with the bow. Yeah, but, you know, that APA Mamba, it weighs uh, five it's pounds, light. five pounds fully loaded, and so... So it's tempting. It's tempting, but it's, and it's, and it's 20, but it's 28 inches limb to limb, so yeah. it's it's smaller than a rifle, more compact. Um it's re- been real deadly so far this year in the springtime. Well, I guess if you bring it to and you get close enough to a sheep, you got the opportunity to take it with uh, with a bow. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So you haven't decided. Eh? I still haven't decided. You know, it's uh, I'm feeling really good with the bow. I practice lots with my bow. Um, you know, typically I, I always think I'm going to have a rifle with me, but this year I've just once I made that switch to APA you know I've never looked back not once it's it's been a great bow and I got all the confidence back in my archery and so it's really tempting to yeah to just take the they bow. are just super good bows and you know they have that tool in them as well so if you got a if your string pops off the cam or anything like that you can fix it right in the field yeah you can totally um, you can totally with their their special uh, cam stop cam lock yes. system you can uh, totally disassemble your bow in the field without a, a press or any special tools. You know, there's just a little pin that's hidden inside the grip of the bow, and you turn a little lever, and that pin pops out. You slide that in your cam, and you can take your string off, switch your string, um, realign it. You know, fix a cam if you have to. Whatever you got to do, you and can do it. And the new ones, the ones that you, the one that you have, has that micro tune adjustment. The micro tune, that's right. Which is, you know, a game changer. Yes, yeah, so you can on the fly. Um, with a twist, two twists of a knob, you can on the fly time your cams. And I would almost guarantee you that seventy percent of bow hunters, their cams are out. Yeah, well, yours were. Mine were out. Yeah. You know, my last bow, they were way freaking out. Yeah. 
And a lot of guys, they just don't know or they don't think it's a, a great big deal. But your bow is going to be about 25, 30% smoother if your timing with your cams and, is And perfect. a lot more accurate, right? You're going to get a truer, Without a, a doubt. way more true um, depiction of where your arrow is actually yeah. going. It's going to fly a lot better. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think a lot of guys just, you know, a lot of guys, a bow set up is a bow set up. You know, we both know people that uh, pull their bow out blow the dust off it a week before bow season right yeah. we're, we're trying to shoot as much as we can throughout the summer and throughout to, the year yeah. and you know you get busy and and you can't knock guys for doing it because i believe as long as you're practiced up you're confident and you're proficient in your shot and you know which shot to make yeah fly at it right yeah without a doubt man without a doubt um yeah so that micro tune um you know, typically you have to bring your bow into a bow shop to get them to tune your cams. Yeah, so on on a bow like yours, which yeah. is it, it's an APA Mamba, it just doesn't have that micro tune. Yeah, mine's a year before, mine's a twenty nineteen. So yours, um, you know, you'd have either have to put it in a press or you can use the cam stop. You use the cam stop, yeah. And uh, what you do is you just take your two. I can't remember. I should know what they're called, but uh, the two cables that that uh, split on your cam. You just take yeah. them and you can do a twist and tighten or loosen that string to to get that cam to turn over at the okay. same time as the opposite yeah if that makes sense yeah, and yeah it does but with the micro tune you know it, you just loosen a little locking knob and then you just go left yeah, or right depending on which cam dial. and it just turns a little tiny plastic device just puts tension on one one cable or the other and times your you know in the half a turn quarter turn eighth of a turn yeah um, and just right there, right on the spot. Yeah, that's awesome. Jordan actually just picked up the APA Mamba 28. Did he? Did yeah. You told me he wanted one. I didn't know if he put the order in yeah, or not. Yeah, he uh, just sent me a photo today. Right he, on. Uh, he was with the, the archery wizard there, and I uh, got a photo. And, yeah, he got uh, a custom cam dip as well. I think he got metallic blue or something. Oh, he's lucky because uh, he, he can go right to the shop, Yeah, right? he went right to yeah, the shop. He's in Saskatoon, and APA's in bigger. And, uh, you know, another great reason to support you know, a Canadian company and a, a well, you know, a really well built bow. Um, yeah, they're, no, they're definitely great. a top yeah. of the line competitor. Yeah. For right sure. there. And speed wise, man, they are super fast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and light, you know, I, 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 I've said this before on the podcast, um, but I just, I talked to APA, I told them what I wanted and, you know, they have a whole lineup of several different bows for, you know, they have target and hunting bows, all different kinds of varieties and sizes. And I, I just explained to them that I wanted something that I could pack around. It wasn't too bulky, you know, just have it strapped to my back and kind of forget about it. And, uh, you know, I carry my bow all day long when I'm, when I'm actually actively bow hunting. So I like it to be small and compact, easy to handle. And, you know, they set me up with this Mamba 28 MT, and I, I couldn't be happier. Yeah, it's crazy. 28 inches limb to limb. That is unreal. And it shoots something like 350-some 300 feet per second, yeah, something insane. like that. Insane. So you're going sheep hunting. Let's get back. You're going sheep hunting for 10 days or two weeks or so? Yeah. Yeah, I'll be back there for about 10 days. And so uh, you're hunting for seven or eight days? That's right. So I will be, you know, starting my walk in 22nd and the 23rd. It'll probably take me about two days um, just to make my way up to that camp and, you know, scout and hunt sort of the way in. Won't be able to, you know, even think about drawing an arrow or loading the gun or anything until the 25th. 
So I'm just hoping to be, you know, ahead of the game, maybe even luck would have it be on some Rams for the morning of the 25th. Um, you know, if not, then I have that whole week afterwards. And then it's about, uh, it's about one long push to come out. Might be in one long day, might be two, depending on if I'm a little bit further back or if I have meat, of course, that's going to, it always adds time and weight. Um, but yeah, we, we came out in about 13 and a half hours last year, all the way in, okay. in one day. So it, it's doable. Um, then again, we didn't have meat on our backs, yeah. but, uh, yeah, you know, this um, is what it is. So is that about the same length of time you went last time? Or yeah, I went for, I like to go for 10 days. 10 days is a very good, uh, it's a good amount of time. Cause if you, you know, a lot of guys can only sneak away for three or four days. Yeah. Um, you know, even five days or a week, but in the mountains, you could get a couple of days of bad weather and mm-hmm. just not, you'd be totally immobile, not be yeah. able to do anything. You know, you can't see, you can't climb, you can't glass for sheep, so you can't really hunt. And so you're just, you know, you're what they call socked in and you're just stuck and you're just yeah. sitting in a tent for a couple of days waiting for the, the clouds to break. And so that 10 days is, is really good. And, and, you know, even a week, if you can do it, because then you still got, you know, you got days on either end if you do have a section of bad weather. But uh, that I like to be back to that 10 days really allows you to just totally disconnect and, yeah. and sort of reboot. Yeah, without a doubt. And um, so when you go back there, you got a Garmin inReach? Yeah, I always pack an inReach with me yeah. when I'm in the mountains for other people's sake. I don't really use it much myself. Yeah. I don't use the maps or anything on it. I, I do occasionally track um gps but i don't like to use that i'd rather use my phone because the battery on that's just not as uh oh, yeah. good when you're using the, the actual tracking gps yeah. it's pinging all the time so it's using lots of battery uh, um and you know i got a garmin watch now that i'm gonna try out when i'm in the mountains yeah, so things pretty cool it is and i don't even know how to use half of it yet <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no i take the inreach you know then you can you have sos you sort of have a safety button and then you have contact with home too you can let people know what's going on and yeah uh, shoot you a text and tell you that I killed a sheep. Yeah, there we go. Well, I'll be expecting it. So, <laughs> <laughs> don't uh, don't sit there too long and sweat because you know it might never happen. But yeah, hope for the best. Right on, right on. So yeah, you know you've got an action-packed week. I'm hoping to take um, three or four days that first week of archery season and just hunker down in a stand. You know, it's going to be long days, early mornings, late nights. Um, I usually always get rained on for at least half the time and just absolutely drenched. But once that rain clears, if you got an hour or two of light left, that's when those animals are moving. And that's when you see the action. Um, You know, majority of the deer that I've seen come through early in the season, it's usually right after a rain. Because I don't know what it is about that late August is we get so much rain. It always seems that last week we always get five of the seven days of the week it rains. Yeah, it's like when the temperature starts to switch, it seems like, uh, yeah, the weather always moves into yeah. our valley here and we're always getting pounded. Yeah, I know last year on the 25th, it was all right for the first few hours of the day and then after that just got absolutely poured on. But I had a, a nice deer um, that I was waiting for and just didn't end up coming through. And then the next morning, um, you know, it was pouring, pouring rain. I actually waited for it to clear before I went in. Um, and then I got the moose, so it worked out all right. But yeah, you know, I'm expecting to get a little bit wet. I'm expecting to have some long sits and, um, you know, hopefully I can release an arrow. We'll have to wait and see. Um, 
you know, I've got a few spots that uh, are on some pretty good deer trails that, you know, some main traveling routes. Uh, and uh, and we'll just have to wait and see. I'm going to get some cameras out here. Uh, well, geez, I should have some cameras out already by the time this podcast is released and then have an idea of what's in the area. Um, but as I've said on nearly every podcast before this, it's just been so busy, haven't had a chance yet. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, I think that might help me a bit just because I haven't been in the areas in... Um, you know, since the winter time. And, and these are all spots that I have hunted in past years. So I think given it that eight or nine months of just not being there, it might be beneficial and it might work out in the long run. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. You got to keep, yeah, a lot of guys, uh, like to, a lot of guys are in their spots lots, you know, throughout the summer scouting, putting yeah. in mineral and all that stuff. Um, but I th- always think it's a great idea. Like the last, the biggest chunk of time you can afford to leave right before the season, yeah. you probably should. And, and that's the way I always planned it. And just and let the traffic settle, you know, let, yeah. let the scent all go away and just let the animals get into a routine. And then the day you're going to sit in there and be an assassin, they don't even, yeah. you know, there's, you're not even a consideration. Yeah. Yeah. So what I, yeah. So what I'm doing is I'm going to get some cellular trail cameras up, um, you know, at least for a week or 10 days before I sit in that stand. And then I'm also going to hang stands at that same time in all these different spots. So come, you know, 25th, 26th, 27th, I'm already set up the stands there. I just got to sneak my way in there and, uh, and sit. So I'm super excited. You know, I'm going in there blind again this year, not really knowing what's in the area. And, uh, and that's always, always a little exciting. Oh, there's big deer in there. You know, yeah. Well, you know, and all over the place, really. I I think if you just get off of, off of the roads, um, and some of my, like one of my best stands with the biggest deer on it are just off of a gravel road, basically like a couple hundred yards off. But, um, those deer just know that everyone's just driving those roads. And so if you get off into that bush and you sit in a tree You'll see those deer, they'll stay 150 yards off that road in the bush so you don't see them. And they just travel in that bush all day. They don't cross the roads unless they absolutely have to. And uh, and so that's key, man, you know, just just getting a little ways into the bush off the beaten path. And, uh, and, and I think you'll have success. So I, I'm really looking forward to it. I can't wait. It's been, uh, it's been a while since I've sat in the stand by myself with the bow. And uh, this year... I'm, I don't think I'm going to have a podcast in my ear like last year. I blew that last year. It was mid-October, and I think it was on my 130th hour of... Uh, or no, this was actually late November. I would sat for probably 15 days in the stand. I always have a headphone in, and a deer walked right under my stand. I didn't notice it until it was 80 yards away through the timber, and you know all I could see was his tail. Got a, got a message from the geocam because it was below my uh, tree, and sure enough, the deer was right under me um, about three minutes before I noticed it, and uh, yeah, didn't have a chance. So, you know, you almost mentally go fucking crazy in the tree stand. So. Oh, yeah, 70% of, well, 70% of any hunting is mental. Yeah, right? well, it's the, just, the whole just... walking thing, I, I, I love walking covering ground, but I just don't. Um, especially with deer, it's very, very tough. Oh, absolutely. Because they are so in tune with everything that you can walk in the bush. I would I would bet that if you walked in that bush for three freaking days, 
um, whether there's deer in there or not, they're going to hear you long before you see them. So you just can't do it, right? You, you got a few options. You can cover ground on the roads and trails. Um, now, if you do that, you best hope that you can get off your quad or whatever soon and quick enough that you can get an arrow into an animal, which is nearly impossible. It's different if you're rifle hunting because you're going to spot that animal at 150 yards, 250 yards. Or he's going to run from 50 to 100 and Yeah, then and then turn. you get a shot, yeah. right? Um, but if you're hunting with a bow, um, you got to be in a tree stand or a blind, right? So, so it's long sits. Um, the first few hours are always super exciting because that's the prime time. You're going to see those animals more than likely your first couple hours of the day or last couple hours of the day. So the first couple are great, but as you start creeping up on like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, then you're starting to go a little fucking cuckoo. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then, and then usually what I do is I'll sit till like one and that's sort of like one to two is sort of like, or 12 to two is like a dead time. Like not often do I have photos of deer between 12 and two. So I'll climb down from the stand sometimes and go to my quad or go to my truck, get a drink, you know, stretch my legs, take a whiz, do what I got to do. And then I'll sneak back in that stand. And so I'll take about an hour break is what I'll do. And it just refreshes your mind, you know, refreshes your legs. You can take a piss because you aren't doing it right in that area where they're going to smell you. And, and, and that's, and that's important. You know, it's good to sit in that stand if you can, but, uh, it is very, very tough sitting in a stand from 7am till nine ten at night. So yep. I'll, you more than likely usually climb down around one just to keep myself a little bit sane and you just be, you know, completely quiet, 100% stealth mode, tiptoe out of that bush and, uh, do what you gotta do. And then, make your way back in so so that's your little trick to stay insane that's sane what i do stand. man yeah. yeah and i usually have a headphone in so it's even a little easier but um this year i'm gonna try my damnedest not to because i blew it last year um and so so yeah it's gonna be tricky right and the problem with cell phones too is if you're looking at your cell phone an hour is gonna feel like two days 15 minutes is going to feel like an hour, right? You just keep looking, keep looking, keep looking. You don't have service half the time. So you're refreshing, refreshing everything. And, uh, it just makes things even worse. So it is tough. And, um, you know, these aren't spots where, you know, we have 500 or a hundred deer funneling into a field in the morning or even 15 deer. No, this is in the middle of the bush where you can only see 50 yards ahead of you and you're waiting for that one deer to and walk you're under. waiting for yeah you know one two or three mature deer and that's the thing you know um i haven't got a velvet whitetail before so i am just looking for a mature deer like that's what i want you know 130 140 class and above i am taking that deer down without a doubt um i've had opportunities at um not at all well, i did have an opportunity to velvet one uh two years ago now and um and that one had actually just poured rain the rain cleared and three bucks came in and i released an arrow and i went right under him and my heart was just beating out of my chest and i was not ready one bit um but uh, other than that you know I, i've had chances in the tree stand at other deer that just were too young you know they're probably two and a half year old deer 110s 120s but um in velvet um 
you know, I'm happy with just any deer, you know, I would say three and a half, four and a half or older is, uh, it's down. If mm-hmm. it's brown, it's down. Or so. another moose. Or another moose. Yeah. And that's the thing, man. That's what's super cool about these zones around here. And a lot of zones in Alberta, if you archery hunt, um, you're going into the archery season with a pocket full of tags. Yeah. So you actually made a comment early on, I think about me packing my bow in the mountains and mule deer. Yeah. And we sort of got off of that. So if I take my bow, so sheep, Sheep opens for rifle on the 25th, yeah. or bow, obviously. But everything else is is archery, general, in that zone. So mule deer, moose, and elk, I think. Uh, of course, bear, too, but I don't have any bear tags. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I do have the option of taking a mule deer or, of course, a whitetail, too. I know there are some whitetails back there. Yeah. Um, but I probably won't do that. Just yeah, you because, know, I've you know, never sheep been one to the haul target. two weapons. It's just too much. I don't, yeah, I haven't decided if I'm going to haul two or not. Yeah, so do you have a, you had one, do you have two people potentially coming with you or just one? Probably just one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's probably just going to be me and one other person. If that, you know, I might be going solo too, and then it will be one weapon. (laughs) Um, If somebody else does come with me and they aren't, um, well, they, they, they'll have a sheep tag too, so that they can pack my lightweight rifle instead of a different one, but, uh, yeah, that'll give us some options. If not, then I have a tough decision to make. Yeah. You know what? And like I said, I, I'm never one to haul multiple weapons. Like if I'm if I'm going on an elk hunt and it's rifle season, well, I'm going to be rifle hunting. But I'll bring my bow with me, just not pack it with me. But leave it in the truck or something. my truck yeah. or whatever. Not really for any reason. But, um, but yeah, you know. Um, I sort of hmm. commit... Um, early on so like uh this year now that i've got a new bow i've commit i committed to the springtime like i'm not even gonna touch a rifle yeah. for a bear basically right and uh before i was having trouble with my other bow i was sort of like that too i just looked at the season looked at the animal okay am i gonna try and do it with a bow or am i gonna try and do it with a rifle and then just stick to one or the other and now that I've got a lot of confidence with this bow and I really am happy with it and, and I like hauling it around, um, yeah, it's it's going to make it tough here for the fall because I sort of just want to pick, am I going to hunt the whole fall with a bow or am I going to pack a rifle? With well, me? and it, it is a game changer having a good quality bow that you are confident in. And I, I just like getting close, so it's not a problem of, of not being too. successful. No, but but that's what I was going to say, too. Like, the only difference between your bow and your rifle um, is you just got to get closer with the bow, right? So that means you got to get to, what, 60, 50 yards? Yeah, definitely sub 50, yeah. Sub 50 rather than 100, 250. Or with my mountain rifle, potentially like 400. You would take that shot? I probably wouldn't shoot anything more than 350, 400. But you're confident up to there. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I've got it sighted in to shoot 800 yards, but I would never shoot an animal that far. And even four, you know, it would have to be, like, it would have to be total perfect, no wind. And even then, me talking right now, I probably wouldn't take that shot. Yeah, like, the thing that sheep hunting, too, is is you aren't going to have a lot of, it's not like you're hunting elk in dense bush where you're, that bull's going to be screaming at you and running right in, and he's probably going to be at 35, 40 yards. Yeah, if the ram knows you're there, you're probably not going to get a shot. It's too late at that point. Yeah, so you, well, yeah, so you got to take those chances at further distances with the rifle. Like, it's, the, the sheep hunt's almost a rifle hunt. It's not 
really an archery hunt unless you're a insane sheep fanatic that's already killed three or four on the wall. That's what you're telling me, but yeah. I don't know. Uh, it would be it'd be quite something to take take a sheep with a bow. It would, without a doubt. But the way I look at it with a lot of things is you got to get one or two under the belt with the rifle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's that's the way I look at it. Like, you know, I got an elk with the rifle, but I would still like to get one more with the rifle before I start hauling that bow around. Um, myself, personally, I got to be very confident in my experience hunting that animal before I haul the bow. That's just me, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, so wh- why do you think, is it because... It's because like you're you're more focused on elk the animal. For example, I'm not confident not enough. Not have the confidence in I'm your not, bow. No, no, no. I feel confidence in my bow, but I don't have confidence in my hunting method for that particular animal to get close enough. Like to join the two, like to join your archery skills with that hunting. Your skill yeah, of like hunting that deer, particular species. I have no issues. I'm sitting in a strand stand for deer because I know I'm going to bring that deer within within probably thirty yards. Um, no issues with bear because you know I've hunted enough bear that I can't confident enough that whether i'm spotting stock or in a tree stand i'm gonna get in with any difference approach it yeah. yeah um you know elk hunting i've done a bit of it but i'm not confident enough that i can get close enough and a clear shot and everything with a bow elk hunting yet you know um moose if i got a draw moose tag a rifle tag um i would be hunting with a rifle just because i'm not quite confident yet yeah. right um and so that's definitely how it would be with a sheep for me for sure without a doubt like i'm confident with my bow i'm confident i can shoot out to you know 40 ish um but i'm not confident in my experience hunting those particular animals yet and that's what holds me back to hold on to my bow past archery season right um, now i do with whitetail like i said whitetail bear i'm 100 percent confident in i will hunt a bear all season with the bow hunt a deer usually all season until the last day or two if i have to take the rifle out um but also i do have an interest in doing like a long range bear or deer hunt mm-hmm. that does interest me like i've mentioned a million times before i want to try and i have full interest in all types of hunting yeah, just whether try that means shooting pigs from a, a helicopter or long range you know elk or deer hunting um or like cl- super close range archery hunting you know i want to try it all um so i do have an interest in doing some sort of long range like bear hunt you know we spotted that bear this year at what was it 200 300 yards 300 on the other side yards, of that valley yeah. and, and that, I, I turned to you and i was like man if we had my rifle right now and i was <laughs> thinking that the whole time i'm like man if i had my if i would have brought my rifle today this would have been like the Over. coolest hunt in the, yeah. in the world eh? um so you know there's uh there's a place for the rifle i love hunting with a rifle um you know i i really do there's nothing there's not much as exciting as looking at that animal through the scope and you just gotta take a breath and squeeze that trigger baby right and then and yeah i I love hunting with a rifle i really do so there's a time and place for it all um but what it boils down to is my confidence and experience in the particular animal i'm pursuing basically so that makes sense that's a fair fair point i think yeah so you know um we're lucky in alberta because there are an array of archery tags right so i'll take advantage of that we got an archery moose tag i buy that tag we're going to be doing an archery mule deer hunt probably this year too and um, i am extremely excited for that i'm very excited for that hunt there 
Um, and so I've hunted mule deer before. I've got one with a rifle. Um, haven't hunted them a whole lot. Um, you know, I've experienced them a lot. I've ran into them and on other hunts and we've played around with deer and brought them right in. And it's a lot of fun, the mule deer, but I haven't hunted down South before. So that's going to be a bit of a change as well. Um, but now that's an archery tag. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but, uh, you know, for the most part, when it comes to elk hunting after September 17th, I'm going to have that rifle in hand and I'm not even going to be worried about the white tail. Like if I'm pursuing mule deer, I am pursuing mule deer. If I'm pursuing white tail, well, I know there's moose in the area and I have a bow, so, you know, we'll see how that goes. But, um, you know, for myself, if it's a backpacking hunt or you got to haul weapons in, I'm, I'm usually not one to you know bring Carry extra you. weight and everything yeah else. and I, so, I don't i don't have any intention but if you have someone with you yeah i don't have any intention of, now, of packing right? the bow on one side and the rifle on the other you know it'll be one or the other yeah um but if somebody's with me yeah then sort of the incentive for them is hey why don't you buy a tag like because yeah. i'm i'm never one to turn away an opportunity to somebody else yeah like if it's a perfect opportunity well i might hand you the gun and say do it yeah for sure and that's just how i am yeah. and it all depends on the situation so um, you know, I tell whoever's coming with me, buy a tag, yeah. pack my rifle. Cause it's lighter than, it's probably lighter than any rifle you own. And, uh, I, you know, I'll pack my bow and we'll go from there. And you know what? So we got a life-size sheep in the shop today from the Yukon, um, a doll sheep and they had skinned that hideout so well. It was in, it could fit in a small shoebox. And it was light as hell. I don't know if you, if light you heard me hell. talking to myself back here when I was working No, I it. didn't hear you, but it yeah. was light as hell. And, um, and the head, they, they cleaned the head up really nice. They left what they had to leave in to measure it properly. And, uh, you know, if a guy can do it like that, flesh that hide super well, um, it's not as heavy as I originally imagined mm-hmm. it to be. And, and me neither, you know, I've, I've played with, especially doll sheep. I've, I've packed, even packed a, a life-size cape off the mountain before. Yeah. But, you know, we were, you know, we were only a couple hours from horses, and then from there, we were only a couple hours from camp, so it wasn't like we were potentially two or three days walking out. Yeah. So we didn't clean it right up. You know, we did our best we can. We clean skinned it, but it really wasn't a big deal till we got back to camp. Yeah. Um, now, these guys, they, they had a hike, and they, uh, they had some time, so they really, like, fleshed that hide down super thin. They did a phenomenal job. Yeah, There's no knife well. holes in it. Oh, really? No, it looks like it. just bullet holes. Wow. Um, you know, they turned all the lips, the eyes, the ears, and uh, they did a fantastic job on it. And when I, you know, the guy brought it in, partially salted and stuff, we laid it out. And then when I, when I picked it up and dumped all the salt off it today, I couldn't believe it, just how, how light, it was. light it was. I know. You know, and we've we've got we've done quite a few life size sheep, and um, and this was definitely in the best shape of all the ones that we've ever got in, and uh, you know a little bit of meat on that hide really adds up the weight. Like if you got a chunk here, chunk there, chunk here, chunk there, that's ten pounds already. Right? And, and bones, right? They took bones, all the yeah. toe bones out. They took every. They did a very very good job. Yeah. And, and there's a ton of cartilage on the sheep head. Yeah. And you get rid of that, that's, you know, you're, you're cutting inches of, of crap off of the hide that you just yeah. don't need to have there, right? Yeah, so, you know, you do that, and then you debone your meat, and and uh, and it's definitely doable for two people to haul, you know, a weapon each, and then that as well. Yeah. But, uh, so you've seen some big mule deer there. That's what, that's why you're sort of buzzing that's about it. That's why I'm sort of buzzing thing. about it. Yeah, I saw, you know, when we went that year, we saw a little group of three bucks... And, uh, 
And the one was just, he had to have been, you know, 170 inches and, and just beautiful. And, wow. and uh, you know, he strutted out in front of me a, a few different days because he was, he was staying right in the same valley we were camped in. And the first morning I climbed up to a little knob bright and early to watch the sun come up. <clears throat> and, you know, I was watching some ewes up on top, actually. And then uh, I looked down and this mule deer had stepped out into the sun as it broke the tree line. And he was just majestic and all wow. full velvet and standing nice and tall and uh yeah it got me a little bit pumped up but of course i didn't have a bow with me and, yeah. and we were really there for sheep and you know thinking it would be great to kill a mule deer in the mountains but i am going for sheep yeah like without a doubt so it would probably come down to a something running out in front of me on like the last day where you know I turned and shot a deer. Yeah. Just because there's just my full intention would be sheep the whole time we're out there. Um, but yeah, back to the bow thing, bow, bow and rifle thing. I, I guess for me, I sort of just decide early on, like you like, like to I make said, things very challenging for yourself. I like to get close, and yeah. and I don't know. I just sort of see I see hunting as it's gonna happen. If it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. And if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. I guess so. It really doesn't make a difference because, you know, the animal has to mess up to get a shot with a rifle. The animal's got to mess up to get a shot with a bow, too. You just maybe have to put a little bit more work in. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I have tons of fun crawling up on deer, you know, dragging myself through the grass. And even to shoot a doe with yeah. the bow, it's just it's just fun. You know, you feel like a ninja and you get all suited up. And, and uh, yeah, to get within 30 yards of something and and draw back you know just like it's the bears like this it, year there's just there's just nothing like it and and you know i grew up rifle hunting and i didn't get into bow hunting till i was like 15 or 16 and uh you know i always loved rifle hunting too because you know hunting's hunting but uh it's different when you're 50 yards rather than 150 yards or 100 sure. yards you just you know you're sort of looking into the whites of its eyes and it's might be looking back at you and there's a moment there where everything comes together and, or it doesn't, right? Yeah. So I'm just, I'm thinking right now, I don't know what's more exciting. Is it more exciting when that animal sees you and is staring right through you? Or is it more exciting when that animal doesn't see you at all um, and doesn't know you're there? You definitely feel like way more of a badass when it doesn't see you. Yeah. When I get, you know, when you lock eyes with something and you know, you can tell the difference, or at least I can tell the difference. A good example is the, uh, the one bear I got this spring. I shot at it, and I missed. And it looked at the arrow where it hit the ground right in front of it, and then it looked my direction. But it didn't see me. No. Like, I could tell. It, I, I crouched right back down. I was below a shrub. I was all camoed up. Um, and he just kind of looked through me. He didn't, like, he didn't lock onto something. Yeah. didn't lock me in the eyes or anything. But with deer or you know uh, other experiences you, when you lock eyes with something i get a moment of panic like yeah. they pull the trigger because this is about all you're gonna get it gets so much more intense it's like a, you start hitting like hearing that click that ticking of the clock in your yeah. brain right yeah. like hurry and up every, hurry up hurry every up, hurry like up. millisecond is a second that goes by right? and you're you know you're waiting for that front foot to take the first step or yeah. like them or to coil to back on their back, back feet or to like take it yeah just to get you know they're gonna about to get out of there yeah and i guess so what i like about rifle hunting is you can that animal has no most of the time no idea in the world that you're there 
you know, and there's just something super cool about that. And that's what's so cool about hunting in general is you get to experience all these different all these different things and every single one is so unique all and it, it would be hard to explain this to anybody probably anybody that's never harvested an animal yeah but there's a moment of peace when the animal doesn't know what happened yeah like you understand that's like a that's probably the best arguably the yeah arguably the best way the animal could die yeah. right is it a, a vital or a shot to the vital a fatal shot to the vitals mm-hmm. And it didn't know what happened. You know, it might have heard a big boom. It might have not heard anything. And, you know, less than five seconds later, it's, there's no, nothing left, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, you, you could never explain that to somebody that hasn't been hunting or been on a hunt and, and experienced it, I don't mm-hmm. think. It'd be tough. Um, but, like you said, when the animal's, you know, just going about its business and, and you put the hammer well, down, it has I no idea. It was just, you know, there was nothing like I have never experienced anything like it. Yeah. Just how we watched him for, you know, 45 minutes. He didn't didn't know we were there. And then he started coming towards us because we had a beaver pole about 15 yards in front of us or 10 yards in front of us. And he looked, almost looked through us a few times. Like he didn't really know we were there. Then he turned broadside, and I think we sort of looked at each other, and we're like, okay, I nodded or whatever, and um, then he stopped and looked right at us. As soon as you drew back. So did I, when I stood up, was he looking at us? No, no, he stood, he looked at us because you're standing up and drawing back. Yeah, so he was coming at us, and I told Eric the minute we seen this bear, I'm like, I'm not going to shoot it unless I have the perfect opportunity. Mm -hmm. This is day one. So if I shoot this thing, it's going to be at like That's 10 all or 15 yards, yeah. right? And it came in after 45 minutes, 50 minutes, turned broadside 10 yards in front of us, like and then he right his, in front of us. Put his nose up and smelled the beaver. Yeah, put his nose up, smelled the beaver, and then I stood up. He stopped, looked at us. I locked eyes with him, and then I released that arrow, and it went right through him. Didn't hit any bone at all. The broadhead's still in perfect shape. It ran 40 yards, 30 yards, toppled over. And... Um, that just like that went too good. Like, I don't that think was that bear. Unreal. I don't think that bear went twenty yards. <laughs> no, no, yeah, it, was it wasn't right twenty. It was that. It yeah. was really. It was right there. Yeah, but yeah, and and just the you know just nice and quick and yeah. So that's you know that is like you can't even explain those moments. Even how, how you feel when that happens. Yeah, even a moment like that is different than you know like potentially you drive up. Let's say you drive up on a deer. You jump out, the deer has that moment of panic, deer in the headlights, and then you shoot it, right? And there's sort of that, like that deer had the chance to have the oh shit moment. Yeah. Where that bear, I don't, that bear didn't even have the chance. It was just like, oh. Oh no, there's something so much more rewarding than hunting and having that animal not know you're there Mm -hmm. and you're experiencing that animal do what animals do, do what it does rather than drive up to it hop out of the truck slam on the brakes i can't stand that, Me neither. Me i neither. can't stand Me doing that and you know it all i think the, the the moment that really flipped the switch on me was about four or five years ago i had my or would have been 17 2017 i had my mule deer take and um you know, we're covering ground on a side by side looking for these mule deer. And at, at this time, you know, I, I was, you know, a c- three or four years into hunting and I, I just didn't have a lot of experience. Seen a bunch of mule deer slammed on the side by side. I hopped out 
and my heart's beating out of my chest. All the deer are looking at us. I shoot once, miss, shoot twice, miss, and then they're gone. And I was heartbroken. I'm like, man, like I did not enjoy that experience one bit, you know. And now if I was sitting in a tree stand or if I put a stock on them and missed, well, that would have been a, a special moment and I would have fu- I fucked it up. But that's what happens. But just the whole idea of of cruising around, seeing them slamming on the brakes, they see you, you got to hop out, and it's just, it's not appealing to me. It's, yeah, and and it's me neither. And, and that but like I be- said, I do agree, and I'm in full support of every single method of hunting, and I fully support that. And and I, I will hunt like that with my four-year-old son because he's not going to walk four or five, ten miles in a day um, for grouse or for a bear or something like that. Um, but majority of the hunting I do is by myself. And, you know, when you're sitting there, even in a tree stand and you see a deer at 40 yards away and he makes his way into 20 and then he goes around your stand and you don't have a chance or you blew it or whatever, um, those moments mean so much more then when you're cruising and you see just a random buck and haw, you know, it's to me, it just feels like you don't get to experience it properly or fully. Yeah. At least to the potential of the situation, like the, that the situation has, um, yeah, if you're sitting in a tree stand, you know, you're going to watch that animal for a couple minutes. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're stalking it, you're going to be on that animal for maybe a couple hours. Yes. Moving an inch at a time. Um, you just, I feel like you build a relationship with the animal in the moment and then you sort of, you know, there's a story behind it. There's some work behind it. And I'm thinking now too, you know, I think it all depends on what stage of a hunter you almost are, right? Like if you're buying a deer tag every year to get 40 pounds or 50 pounds of Smokies, well, and you don't care really, or the mm-hmm. hunt doesn't mean much. You just want to get a deer just for your family. The freezer. That is awesome. And a lot of guys do that. And I do that with, you know, I do that with doe tags. And I think that's what it was for me is I had started, I was just a hunter strictly for meat. And then it sort of transitioned over time into just purely enjoying every aspect of just being outdoors. And then it just morphed into almost everything it is now. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I guess it all boils down to what stage you are as a hunter or the, what the reason is and why you do it. Um, I don't just hunt for meat. The meat is great. The meat's a bonus for me. I hunt because I like to hunt. I don't hunt because I need the meat. I hunt because I enjoy hunting. The meat is a great bonus. I get to feed my family the absolute best meat on this planet Earth. Um, so that's a huge bonus. Um, but, you know, when it comes to animals like like coyotes or wolves or, or even bears where you don't eat the whole animal, I'm still going to hunt them because I love the, the... The thrill of the chase? Yeah, the thrill of the chase. And I just love to hunt, right? So... Um, so yeah, you know, when it comes to driving around in a truck, hopping out, shooting a deer, um, I won't knock anyone for doing it because, hey, you want to get your smokies, you want to get some moose or whatever, that's totally fine. But personally, I like the task of pursuing an animal or hunting or sitting for 170 hours for that one moment that you release an arrow, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's what it's all about for me. And, and you know what? Um, it's... A lot, a lot of people say if, if you don't get an animal at the end of the season, it doesn't matter, this and that. But that is the end goal, and that is the icing on the cake. And, 
you know, if, if I don't, if I miss an elk or I miss a deer, um, on say an elk hunt or after 170 hours of deer hunting, there's still a void in that for me, that hunt isn't completed. And, uh, so it really does, it, it really is important for me to stack all the odds and uh, do what I can to get that animal and then release an arrow, whether it's a miss or a kill or whatever, because uh, personally that hunt isn't completed if I don't have an opportunity. Opportunity, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, you know, I hear a lot of guys, and I don't know if they're just taking the moral high ground or if, or if that's really how they feel, where, uh, you know, I don't care if I don't see an animal because I just enjoy being out here. Well, enjoying being out here is great, but, uh, you know, I really want to kill an animal yep. today or yep. on this hunt. Right. Yep. Um, and that's just me personally. Like I love every step of that hunt when it comes from the scouting to the first morning of that hunt, you know, the hot afternoon when it's sort of dead and then the excitement and anticipation of the evening, not knowing what's happening. And then, you know, releasing an arrow, going to see that arrow and then retrieving that animal, that whole process. That's what, that's, that's the book to me. Right. And if I don't finish chapter 10 and 11, well, that's still an open book. And that's where I'm going into this year for white tails. So how, uh, how do you describe then that feeling you have if, when you don't like say your velvet deer? So when, yeah. when, when you know, like, okay, man, deer don't have velvet anymore. So what, what is that? So then are you motivated then to it feels just get like, a good whitetail or are you, does it totally reset to the same time next year? Um, no. Okay. So yeah, for me, I always start like, the Do you season. have a vengeance inside? Um, well, once I know that velvet's gone, well yeah. then that velvet's gone and now, you know, now I'm still holding on to the bow for, you know, a hard horned whitetail. Um, but then I won't. I won't go at like my, I'm going to go the first four days of archery season. Cause that's the best chance of me have an opportunity to get a deer with, with velvet. Um, as you get into September, um, I find the mature deer shed their velvet earlier. Yeah. Like I mature older bucks, they're going to have no velvet by the 26th, 27th. So you got to get them those first two days of archery season. Right. So I'm going to hunt that first week and then, um, I probably won't sit in that stand until, uh, you know, if, if I have a lot of action in the, in the tree stand, I might still try and get an early season whitetail. Um, but there's not as much of a priority until, um, the rut sort of picks up for them. Um, because you know, my, my thing is this year, at least we've got the velvet whitetail. That's my plan. You've got your sheep. And then after that, we are really banking and hoping that we can do this archery mule deer hunt. Um, and that's going to be sort of in that crossover time, I think, uh, you know, right around the 17th, 18th, um, right around there for a week. And then uh, we're sort of also in that elk rut right then as well, right? So um, so archery deer at the start, and then I'm in elk mode for like the month of September. And then we sort of trans transition back into whitetails for October, November. Yep. Um, but yeah, man, like I miss a deer. Yeah, I'm heartbroken. I'm like a grade nine student who just got broken up by so your girlfriend. What about if you just don't have an opportunity? I actually feel better if I don't. Yeah. Have oh, an absolutely. Yeah. yeah. If you miss and fuck it up, you're gonna feel, feel guilt. You're gonna feel man. awful. You're gonna feel all of the above, right? Awful. But if, and then so if I if I don't have it, the opportunity, well then I get home, and I'm still a little pissed because I'm like, well, shit, I should have sat in this stand or should have sat in this stand. And then I just got to convince myself that that's just the way it goes. Mm -hmm. 
right? You don't have control over everything. Um, you don't have control over much when it comes to hunting. So that's but, the reason uh, I ask is because I am one of those guys, you know, especially in the mountains. It's like if, if it happens, it happens. If not. Yeah, it's great. It's still great. Yeah. And uh, that's sort of what it comes down to with the bow. Like it, I, I don't, I'm not really the type of person that's going to come home empty handed because I packed my bow, you know, get home and look back and say, say, you know, man, I could have killed a ram if I just had my rifle. Yeah. See, and I'm, if I, I, I'm just going to look at the, like, if, if I run into a, if I have my bow, my bow only, and I run into a ram at 150 yards and he's standing broadside and I watch him for hours, 150 yards in the moment, I'm going to be thinking like, fuck yeah, I wish I had my, my rifle right now, but then I'm going to be, you know, doing my very best to make a play on that anyway, because it's either blow it or go home empty handed. Right. And if I do end up coming home empty handed, I'm not going to look at it like, you know, I'm not going to hate myself saying like, Oh, if I had my rifle, I wouldn't be empty handed right now because it just, it didn't happen either way. Yeah. And having my rifle is no guarantee it was going to happen because you know i could have missed i could have something else could have happened along the line where that because i had my rifle i made a different decision and never ran into that ram yeah you know and i had you issues just don't know what's gonna happen i had i had sort of a similar incident as what you explained there um last year hunting deer in the tree stand in october i'm sitting in the tree stand nice deer like probably 140 inch whitetail um I tried calling him in. He was just, he was at like 60 yards. He just wouldn't come onto the trail where I had a shot. And I think the closest he was at one point was like 40, which is doable. But there was so much bush in front of him. I just did not have a shot. And I'm like, man, if I had my rifle right now, like this deer would be toast. But, you know, I've hunted deer enough that what I want deep down is a deer with the bow. So I was bound to determine what was going to happen with the bow. So I'm not going to dwell on that, right? Because... Um, for me to haul a rifle into the tree stand in September and October, it's just, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to take out my rifle the last week of the season if I haven't got anything yet. Um, but yeah, no, man, I, um, if I don't feel like there's a good chance I'm going to kill something, I, I won't hunt. Like that, that sounds bad, but, um, Time is so freaking precious these days, mm-hmm. and it's you can't you can't let once that, that clock doesn't stop ticking, right? Yeah. So let's like I said to you before we started this podcast, we're going over dates and when we're hunting and everything else. If I don't have a bunch of deer on my trail camera or on any of my trail cameras, um, I might not rush out to the stand on the for those first three or four days. I might wait till like the weekend or something else because. You know, I I can't hunt all the all the time. I can't yeah. hunt every day of the week, yeah. right? So, um, if if there's not a good chance of killing something, I'm I'm not gonna hunt. Because yeah, and that's just the, comes down the to the end goal for myself is if I'm gonna sit in that stand, I'm gonna make sure I've stacked the odds in my favor, and there's an opportunity um, or there's a chance something might happen, right? But realistically, like you have no idea what the chance actually is, whether you have pictures or no, not. No, but you it's do. more about the confidence in the situation, right? Yeah, confidence in the situation. Like you don't know that the cranker buck might walk out. He might be walking behind your camera yeah. every day. Or yeah, that's true. You might be sitting, and that's the first day he walks under your camera. Yeah, 
right? So you don't really know, but it, it is understandable and it's fair to, uh, you have to, you have to have confidence, I think, in going out because otherwise, you know, you're going to be lazy. You might drag your feet going into the stand. Yeah. You might not care as much and make a little bit more noise, or you might want to get out a little bit earlier. You might think, oh, it's no big deal today. There's not but really anything out there. But that's why it's so important to do preseason scouting and having like two or three or four spots in your back pocket that you know, hey, if I haven't had deer on this camera in two weeks, well, then I can go to spot number B and if, or and if B is no good, well, then I can go to D, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good to have some hot spots set up and um, and just do some scouting in the off season. And and I'm fortunate because these spots I have you know had cameras there for several years now, so they're all fairly good spots, and I'm confident in most of them. Um, so it's just a matter of seeing which one is most active here come the week before archery season, and then sit in one of those stands. Um, but, you know, I'm also, I'm, I'm not the type of guy that's going to sit in a stand at least, right? Even for bears, I've killed 10 bears. I'm not the guy that's going to sit in the stand all season to kill a 20-inch bear. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. It's all boils down to how you feel in the moment. In that moment. It's all about the situation and if the situation's right. And I just don't have the time. Like, I can't, I'm not going to sit in the stand for 20 days in bear season to yeah. kill a giant bear. Um because it's all about that situation, right? And like last, not this year, last year, um, I got one of the smaller bears I've ever got, and it was still, you know, a 250-pound bear, um, but I got it with my brother, and it was on like our third hunt. It was a bear that got away from us on the second day, and it was just the moment was special, right? So, um, you know, I'm going to make the most of every single day I'm hunting, and uh, I'm definitely not the type of guy that's going to hold out for 150, 160, 170, 180-inch deer. If I have the chance at a 130, 140, or 18, 19-inch bear, yeah. I'm going to take it. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, again, it all boils down to what stage of a hunter you're at. Yeah, right? what your priorities are, yeah. Like, come 10 years down the road, if we got a few, quite a few deer under our belts and, you know, a couple dozen bears well we might be more picky um but again man that clock keeps ticking and you can't rewind time right so um it's all about the moments for me at least where i am right now and mm-hmm. um i'm pumped up man i can't wait so so you how how particular are you with your goals for the season uh velvet whitetail so like i said yeah 130 inch and above mm-hmm. right just a, a, a respectable um three and a half year old deer and up and, um, man, I'd like to get an elk. I would like to get an elk last year. Um, I didn't make it happen. I missed. And that was heartbreaking, heartbreaking. I edited that whole episode. I spent 40 hours on it and I decided not to air it just cause my heart broke every time I watched that thing, man. And it just killed me. Um, so I want to redeem myself this year. I really want to try and get the elk, um, you know, with a rifle or with a bow, if I can get out early in archery season, um, you know, maybe you and I can sneak out. We'll have to see. And at the end of the day, um, whether you shoot one or I shoot one, it doesn't matter. It's just being a part of it, right? That's right. And, and experiencing the whole process. And so, yeah, pulling the trigger or releasing an arrow, if it's me uh, or you, it doesn't really matter to me. It's just I enjoy the process of it. Mm-hmm. And I know you're the same way. Oh, absolutely. Um, you've, you've been on more hunts where other people have shot than you've shot. Oh, and absolutely. see, I, I haven't. I've, I've been on a few hunts with other people's, but primarily it's me. Um, I get way. It's hard to say that. It, it's well, different, man. Because it's pressure hard to say that I get you. more gratification out of somebody else getting it. But 
I do because, you know, I haven't killed a bunch of huge shit. I haven't even, I honestly have not even killed a moose myself by my hand. You know, I've guided a couple dozen dozen moose. Um, You know, I'm getting up near 30 bulls and, and never once even put one in my own sights. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I will eventually and the time will come, but, uh, you know, same with sheep, like even, uh. You know, even the first year I told Katie, like, you're buying a sheep tag. <laughs> She's like, well, what do you mean? And I said, honestly, because I, I I, can see it myself. If there's a sheep laying there at 80 yards and it's just perfect and, like, there's no way you're going to miss, Take I'm going ha- to hand you the rifle. Yeah. And it doesn't matter who you are. You know, you're my girlfriend, but it could be anybody. Yeah. Um, if it's perfect and I just, you know, I just know that like, you know, you might never you get it. You might never get another opportunity where like, I'll go again. Yeah. Or, you know, I might get another opportunity. I do this shit for a living. Right. Yeah. So That's I, I get a blood, lot man. of, uh, and to just watch somebody's mind get blown. Yeah. is just unreal. You know, like calling bulls in. And, uh, you know, having people, watching people just shake and, yeah. and get, you know, super excited. And then, you know, they harvest and they're almost in tears. And it's once in a lifetime for a lot of people. Um, yeah, there's just nothing like it. And I, I would probably take that over, you know, shooting one myself any day. It's something else, man. Like this year, I we uh, took Braden. So Braden's been with me. He's been on our podcast before. He's He's filmed several hunts for myself. And uh, he's never killed a big game animal. We did a waterfowl hunt last year. You know, he shot some turkeys and this and that, but not a big game animal. And so this year he said, you know what, man? I want to shoot my own. I'm going to shoot a bear. So it's okay. We'll get you set up. Only got two days. Okay, well, let's get you in the best stand we can. We got a hold of Charlie. He had, you know, his ground blind was just rocking. And again, a ground blind for your first bear hunt is something else because Uh, those bears are at eye level. Um, You know, his girlfriend's never hunted before. She was there. And um, he ends up shooting a bear and looked like a good shot. Watching the video, everything looked good. You know, it was right at the center of that bear. Um, I usually like to go a little bit for, right behind that front shoulder is where I like, yep. you know. Um, but I have seen several people say shoot him right dead center in the body. And that's where he shot. That's where he shot. And so it looked like a great shot. Um you know, I have a rule where we wait half hour. So we waited our half hour and it's one degree raining. And this was in like May. It was the coldest day of the month. Yep. And we're shivering. We're cold. Called you. You were on your way. Charlie was on his way. We waited a half hour and we couldn't wait any longer. So we got in the bush. We were like, oh, he went this way. No, 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 no. He went this way. And then so I'm like, oh, yeah, he's going to be right here. And I'm pumped right up. And I'm trying to keep their emotions high. I'm like, yeah, guys, it's, it's going to be right here. Trying to stay positive, right? Because... I'm sort of the guide in this situation and they're, you know, relying on me to, to help find this bear and to keep the emotions positive and everything else. And we're looking and we're looking and we're looking. Then it's starting to rain and it's cold and now it's getting dark. Now it's starting to get dark. Can't find the bear. Charlie comes. We're like, Hey man, this is where it last was. We look, we look, we walk a hundred yards back in the bush from where he shot it and nothing. And so I'm heartbroken for him. 
I can tell he is sick about this. Absolutely yeah. sick. Then you show up, you look a little bit and you, and you, I think you took him. You said, okay, brain, show me yeah, where I you actually, shot this. I kind of snuck up on you guys and I just, I just followed you around for about 15 minutes. Cause I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. I didn't know if you're falling blood and you know, you were up ahead quite a ways and everybody was sort of behind you. So it was okay. We're following blood or, you know, we're doing whatever. Just see what happens. We couldn't find any blood. Yeah. And so, you know, we sort of got, everybody sort of congregated again. And I was like, okay, what's going on? Yeah. I'm here now. So let's just figure out, like, like, inform me at least on the situation. And so I just told Brayden, he's like, so did you, did you guys find blood? Like, cause I saw the video. Yeah. And like, you sent me the video right away. I'm like, oh, that bear's been hit. Yeah. Like, and I think I even said like, it looks a little far back. But keep Braden's spirits up because, yeah, like, did. we're going to find that. it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was about 40 minutes away, so I jumped in the truck and I was burning because it was raining and, you know, it's getting dark. And I got there and I just pulled Braden aside and I said, okay, did you guys find blood? He's like, oh, yeah, there's, there was a whole bunch of blood right, right away, right by the barrel. Okay, boom. If there's blood right away on a bear. Yeah. And that's just my experience because I've done the exact same thing where I'm like, oh, it ran there. You made a good shot. Yeah. We'll walk right over top of it. And, uh, you know, with and these are with clients. I've done this, you know, and it's just lack of experience when I was younger. And and you get guys, you know, they're all excited. You hype them up almost because yeah. you're confident you're going to find it. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I don't need a blood trail. I don't need to follow tracks. And, uh, you know, one particular time. Me and, me and a guy from the States looked for a bear for an hour and a half. No word of a lie. This bear was 11 yards from where he shot it wow. under a spruce tree. And it was because he shot it, right? It came out of the bush sort of trying to check us out. Big boar. He shot it with a 4570. Yeah. At 22 yards. And it ran... It, it sort of walked across a pipeline. He shot it right in front of us. And then it r kept running across the pipeline. And we heard it sort of tumble right away. Like I said, it was only like 20 yards, 10, 20 yards away. But then it fell, and, and when it fell, it turned its head away from us. Oh, okay. And did the death moan. Yeah. So then it sounded like it was farther 40 away. yards away. Yeah. So what we did right off the bat was Walk we went right back to the truck it. and then just cut in the bush. Oh, well, he's going to be at least this far. And we looked for an hour and a half. Fuck. And we came back, and I, I just finally, I was like, okay, I'm like 100 yards from where he shot this thing. He shot it with a 4570, right, which is basically a cannon at 20 yards. I'm like, I'm just going to go back and at least find a spot of blood or something. And sure enough, I didn't even have to look for blood because as soon as I went back to where he shot, I could damn near see the thing sitting under the spruce tree. And so, of course, you have, like, all kinds of relief and everything, but... Just having the experience of tracking several bears, I knew that, you know, blood right away is very good. Bears are notorious for not bleeding because yeah. they got thick coats. They got a slow heartbeat. They got lots of fat, good skin. And uh, so you got blood right away. Okay, let's go from there. And there was, you know, Braden showed me there was a ton of blood, like, you know, a big, big freaking circle of blood yeah, sort of right was. away. Yeah. And then it, you know, it, it, it was raining and everything, and so it sort of peters out, but then you start looking with a flashlight, and you get down low. You get sort of the level where you know that that, that wound is going to be at, that, like, two feet off the ground level. Yeah. And you start looking, and especially with a flashlight, it's, it, it's actually better because the blood shines really well, right? 
And so you start looking on trees that it's rubbed against or logs that are laying on the ground, you know, it had to crawl and like drag its belly over. And then you start seeing little pieces of, of fur that have blood on them and then little drops of blood and then little rub marks. And it took, you know, it took Braden and I probably another 40 minutes. And you guys sort of joined in sometime during that until we got to what was the end of the blood trail. And then the five of us stood there and looked for, what, another 20 minutes yeah. before Charlie found that little cough spot. Yeah. And it, w- it wasn't 10 yards from that spot right there. And then we looked for another 10 minutes. Yeah. And be- it was pitch black at this time. The bear was 10 yards was from right us. There. And we had walked right by it. And, and, you know, so I guess what I was getting at is just the roller coaster ride of emotions yep. and not being the one pulling the trigger on this hunt. Um, you know, some of the weight is off your shoulders because you aren't the one that has to pull the trigger, but you do have added weight on your shoulders because it's different. They're, they're expecting the guide to help them find that animal and bring that animal in, right? Yep. So, um, and yeah, you would have felt the same sort of that. guilt. If you didn't see a bear at all. Oh, without a doubt. You would have been like, man, I made the wrong decision. Or I put put us in the wrong spot. Yeah, so just being there, you know, for every step of that process and not the one pulling the trigger, it was a totally different experience. But um, just that it's a different sort of weight, though, right? Like it's still you have you don't have the weight of uh, uh, of pulling the trigger and being the one that might you know, either foul up or yeah. make it all happen in, in that last, you know, that last moment. But if you don't see the animals you're looking for, you start feeling a lot of pressure. If you see the animals, you make a suggestion on a strategy and you blow the strategy, yeah. you feel a lot of pressure. If you harvest or potentially harvest and then make the wrong choice or, or lead people around or whatever you know, you start feeling that pressure. Well, that's it, man. Like we got into that blind and, uh, it was cold, it was raining and they only had two days. Right. So I'm like, well, we got to make this happen. And so I told them going in, I said, if you see a respectable bear and you feel if, if it's a bear that you want, I said, wait till you have the perfect chance. I said, don't take a shot. If it's 40 yards away down the trail, like wait till that bears at the bait and take the shot. You'll have a a good chance relax. And so after about two hours of sitting, we didn't see anything for about two hours. We see a bear coming out of the fog down the trail about 40 yards ahead of us. And so the bear popped out and he's, you know, sort of walking down the trail feeding and then it goes back into the bush and it comes out again. And then every, we're all super excited. I'm like, awesome, man. He's going to come into the bait. You're going to get a perfect shot. That's what I'm thinking. Brain's thinking almost the same thing. And then it goes into the bush and it doesn't come out. And then like an hour passes and I'm like, man, like he could have made a 40-yard shot easy. Yeah, and you start second-guessing And then I'm thinking, I'm like, man, no, I told him. You got to wait, right? And so I've got all these thoughts going on in my head. And... Um, and I'm like, you know, he could have made the shot, but no, part, I told him he's got to wait till it comes in. This is his first bear. We don't want to push it. And part of that struggle could in. be, correct me if I'm wrong, could be because he's your brother, right? So you're could like, be. oh, he could have, you know, he yeah. could have shot it. Like, oh, Braden, you should have shot it. Oh, for sure. That That's but, probably but what But then you're remembering like, oh, I got to, like, I know I told, I told him. him. Yeah, yeah, right. And and then it was like an hour and a half later i think it was the same bear popped up behind the bait and it was right there so um and it all worked out perfect and i'm glad that we experienced that because you had the excitement at the start of seeing a bear and then it's gone 
And then you have the excitement of another bear coming in, and they spotted both of them before I did. And then you had the excitement of looking for that bear, not being able to find it for like two hours. It gets pitch black, it's raining, and then we found it, right? And there was like five, six guys there. It was, and that's like the true, like, there could not be a more full experience. Yeah. Black bear hunt in Alberta. For sure. Like, we're on a beautiful chunk of public land, right? Um, we're ba- you know baiting in an area that has never been baited before. Charlie set this up for the first time this year, and there's just you know we have a bear problem. We've said this every podcast almost. Yeah. Um, a ton of bears, a really good bait. You know they come down from you know a couple hour drive away. The weather turns to shit. Oh, awful! So right away you got your time crunch. You're feeling time crunch yeah. right away, right? Okay, we only got two days, and now the weather's shit. Yeah. So now you got, you know, you get the shitty weather and you're feeling your time crunch already right off the start. Then you get into the stand and you're uncomfortable because it's raining, it's cold, it's snowing even, right? And then you're thinking, okay, no bears, no bears, no bears. This bait's supposed to have bears. This bear, this bait always has bears. When a bear was just shot in this bait like three days earlier. So everything. So that's going through my mind. Everything's going through your head, right? And then, you know, okay, bear comes and then it's too quick and gone. Like, oh shit, was that our chance? Like, do we only get one? And that, you know, you you feel that on almost every hunt, right? Yeah. And then, you know, sure enough, it comes back and it presents itself perfectly and you get to watch it eat and you get to film it and it presents a perfect shot for Braden, yeah. you know, perfect opportunity at like 22 yards for him to crank and this bear. And for them to experience that on the ground, like that's a different animal. You and, know, you know, two weeks different game. or two days before that, Charlie shot a, a, a charging bear in the head in that same blind that that charged right at him yeah right and uh yeah so you know there's excitement and you're on the ground there's nothing saving you from anything right you're you're in the wild with them you're on the same playing field and then you know he gets to shoot a shoot the bear perfect shot great shot and then you feel that like that whole overwhelming sense of loss and sickness of like, did I screw everything up? I was sure that bear is gone. I was saying at one point, you know, it's pitch black. We're going to have to come back tomorrow. That bear has got to be somewhere. And sure enough, we walked right by it. Yeah. And I walked right by it and we all walked right by it a bunch of times. Right. But to feel like they got everything you could have asked for and, and everything you wouldn't wish on somebody if you were going to send them on their first hunt too. Right. Like, um, total uncomfortableness and, and bad weather. And just, I think it's so important for, for especially new hunters to experience, you know, the, the feeling of loss for sure. Like the total overwhelming feeling of like you tell yourself, you know, when you're young, everybody's parents tell you, don't get too excited until, you know, you actually get whatever you're excited about. Right. Don't get excited until you're there. Don't get excited until it's actually in your hand. And we're all guilty of it with hunting. You make a shot, you know, you see the deer drop or you see the bullet hit or the arrow hit and you get all excited. And, oh, it's down. You text your buddies, hey, deer down, blah, 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 blah. And then you get to where you think it's laying and it's not there. Yeah. And then you start looking around and there's no blood. And yeah. then you find your arrow and it's clean. Yeah, that's right. That's heartbreaking. Man. And it's truly, truly heartbreaking. So it's just, it's so good for him for them, for everybody to experience that whole, that whole adventure that's, you know, yeah. the ups and downs, the roller coaster of emotions, and then to be rewarded with, you know, 
they were successful 100 yeah. and and you know we didn't have to shoot it again no it wasn't wounded it died right away it was yeah. a perfect vital shot it was just you know everything happening the way it happened yeah yeah pretty cool man you know and and i've had another instant like that where i took uh tim out to actually bear hunting yeah two springs ago right and so i told him like yeah we're going to a spot where there's lots of bears there's bears coming through all day um, we get in there the first day we sit for eight hours before I got it, before we seen a bear and the bear came in, looked at us and turned around and left. And, you know, I'm like, yeah, the bear's going to be in here soon. There's got to be a bear coming through. They're coming here early at like three, four o'clock. Well, three o'clock comes nothing, four o'clock, nothing. It wasn't until like eight o'clock at night. Finally had a bear come in and he just left. And, um, you know, I felt that pressure, man. And I just... I don't have that guide blood. Like, I don't know how to deal with that. That's more stressful <laughs> for me. Oh, than, it's, it's stressful. You know, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but now when it comes with, with just being a partner on a hunt or mm -hmm. running a camera, yeah. like, like when you're a cameraman, um, I love that. Because, That's your job. Because I'm doing what you're telling me to do. Right. And you're the one pulling the trigger. You're the one making the decisions. Um, you know, I'm full on with that, but, uh, I just, I, I think again, it comes down to what stage you are as a hunter and your experience in the pursuit of that animal. And there's something to be said about guys or people, hunters that uh, understand that it's always, there's always a very good chance you're going home empty handed. Yeah. And that's why it's so good to have a first time hunter not have the perfect situation because he might not realize that um, you aren't going to have success it's every too time. Easy. It's too easy. Too yeah. easy. Yeah. Um, and and when I say perfect experience for Braden, it's perfect because you're probably never ever gonna get to experience basically every aspect of success and failure in a hunt. Yeah. And still go home with a bear. Yeah, you know, good thing with him too though is he's been on more unsuccessful hunts with me than successful. Um, so you know, he sort of was already, you know, well, and he understands the con that. he understood the concept of what we were yeah. doing and that, you know, what hunting is and that's yeah. what's important. And there has to be something, you know, there's something to be said about guys that know, you know, it's still a roll of the dice. Yeah. And and you know, especially in the outfitting industry, um, you know, I've guided for several years, but now that I'm trying to sell hunts, you have to, you know, you have to give people a very almost an overwhelming in my opinion sense of confidence that they're going to be successful. Yeah. You know, I don't lie to anybody, and that's why I don't tell anybody success rate. I always go on opportunity rate, and opportunity is a fair opportunity. The animal has to be in a perfect a shooting position where you are yeah. going to pull the trigger. Yeah. But at the same time, you have to, everybody has to understand that, you know, you're not buying an animal. No. You're not, there's no guarantee, and everything comes in to play a factor, right? And, uh, you know, you could be in the best area possible, world class trophy animals and you might walk right by every single one of them they might walk right by you you might just not make it happen and that's just that's just what hunting is right yeah i don't think i could ever be a guide or an outfitter man just because that is too much stress because 90 percent of the guys i'd imagine that are purchasing these hunts are expecting to leave with an animal they are uh no well i think no, you know what? 95% of people are very good, at least in my experience. You know, you're, it's, it's more of buying. You, ha you should be in the mindset of 
buying experience. the experience, yeah. the adventure. Yeah. It's like going on a holiday. Well, there's no guarantee. You know, you go to Mexico, there's no guarantee you're going to get hot weather all the time. Yeah. Maybe you get the one week of rain, you're there, and it sucks. Um, and that's sort of the same with the outfitting thing. And and I believe that as long as you're honest with people yeah. and you tell them, like, okay, you know, everybody wants to know what's the, what's the success or opportunity rate? What kind of animals are we going to see? So I'll be honest with you. You know what? This is either, you know, if, it, if we're going to a new area, I'll tell you, we're going to a new area. It's great habitat. There's lots of animals. Um, I can guarantee that. But I can't guarantee you that we're going to draw one out and you're going to get a shot on it. Yeah. You know, you just, you can't guarantee no. that. You can guarantee that we're going to try our very best. I can guarantee you I know what I'm doing. I can guarantee you you're going to eat well. You're going to sleep well. You're going to be comfortable. And you're going to be, you know, it's going to be a clean place to be mm-hmm. and a happy experience. But if you're coming with the intention of going home with a trophy or not being happy, then you're doing the wrong thing. Yeah. You know, maybe go, I'm not going to knock guys that are like that. Maybe go and hunt in a high fence where a guy is going to guarantee you an animal. Yeah. You know, and that or would sell it for me, like different. what you just said. Like, I'm the guide and I am going to do everything. I can to try and get you a moose. I'm going to work my ass off like that, that, that sold it for me. Yeah. You know, I don't need to hear that. I don't need to hear. Yeah. hundred percent success. Well, I'm not going to tell you that almost gives, that almost gives red flags more than anything where someone says you're guaranteed this. And that's me too. I like when I see that on, on other advertising and and whatever, and I see, you know, 99% success rate or whatever. Okay. Well, you know that can't. But the math doesn't really work. Like sincerely from that guide, man, you've got me for a week, and I'm gonna work my ass off. And I've hunted a ton of moose, a ton of deer, and you know I'm gonna try my best, and we're gonna hunt the best yep. area we can in this spot. And uh, you know that's that would sell it for me. And the first thing, and the last thing I'll tell people is, you know what? I I cannot guarantee you an animal, no. but. I can guarantee, I, I can't control the animals. I can't control the weather. What I can control is that you're comfortable. You're eating good food. You're definitely not going to be hungry. Yeah. We're going to be up before sun up and we're going to be hunting until sundown. Yeah. And we're going to do our best. We're going to work our ass off. And if you get an animal down, we're going to get it out and take full care of it no matter what. Yeah. Priority. But. I'm not going out there lassoing a moose and tying it to a tree for you. Yeah, no. Right? So everything has to play out, and some of it is on you. And a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot of guys, some guys don't like to hear that. Some guys don't like to, you know, and I won't tell them. I'm not going to outright and be like, it's your fault we're not getting a moose, because it's not. It's never anybody's fault. But you know what? If you like to sleep in, if you like to miss breakfast and go around 10 o'clock in the morning, if you like to not walk, and I've, you know, I've sort of made a plan to walk, I'll, I'll accommodate everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I've taken people that have no legs hunting, wow. and we'll do it. But you know what? Um, you have to want it, yeah. and you have to understand what you're doing. Otherwise, there's going to always be some sense of unsatisfaction, mm-hmm. you know? I'm going to do my best. I'm always going to do my best. You could be the biggest asshole in the world, but as long as you're doing, following my rules and doing everything legally, I'm still going to give you hundred percent yeah. because you know, you gave me what I've asked of you to be here. So I'm going to give you what I promised you because you're here. 
Yeah. And, you know, don't piss off the moose gods. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And, then, right? you know, that's that it, if that's all you can ask for, man. If an outfitter or a guide can, can you know, treat you like that, well that's it man that's worth all the money right there so that's you know yeah. i don't i don't run a zoo and uh i'm not gonna uh shake a, a pillow shake some animals out of a pillowcase yeah. and say have at it <laughs> you know that's just not that's not what it is for me that's i would be in a different business if that's what i want to do yeah. i like to chase and i like to have an experience with people and really see who people are and that's you know a week in the bush oh, yeah, you, you, you see, see it, who people are yeah you know even four or five days for sure yeah Right on. Well, those tents, man, they're so accommodating, so comfortable. And once oh, you I get could, that fire going inside there, it's something else. I could, uh, yeah, my happy place is wall tent. Yeah. Wall tent camp in the bush <laughs> in September, late September. You know, yeah. you're wake, waking up to uh, minus five, minus six, crunchy grass. Yeah. And you walk out and there's northern lights and shining stars and you're hunting by hear a few elk 6 a.m. in the morning or, yeah. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, I can't wait, man. You know, we're really creeping up on uh, on one of the most exciting times of year. Well, here. it's the seventh today, and we're gonna release this podcast about two weeks. Yeah, we're thinking on the seventeenth. This one will so be about released ten days so. from now. So yeah. at that time, by the time you're hearing this podcast, we're days away. And you know, our first frost. We usually get our first frost the first two weeks of September. Yeah, we do. It doesn't stick around, but. Uh, you know that first ro- that first frost really uh really gets me excited. Yeah, no without a doubt, man. Um so when it comes to do you do much deer hunting and whatnot around here? Um are you mostly scheduling, you know, several day hunts in different places or in the prime spots for whatever animal you're hunting? I like to do trips. Yeah. Just because I like to disconnect for a period of time. Like I uh, I don't know if we said this at the start of this podcast or not, but um, one day is just not enough. And mm-hmm. sometimes two days feels like not really enough. You got to do what you can because you can't hunt every day. Yeah. Um, but I do like to do, you know, I always start with my sheep hunt. That's sort of been a tradition now for the last three or four years. And then, you know, I like to get into elk hunting too. I don't really worry about whitetail at all because I always have the tag in my pocket. And if I saw a cranker whitetail, you know, I'd do my yeah. best to kill it. But I'm not sitting in a stand for a whitetail. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I don't think I could even if I had... You said in the blind in November. In November, I will. Yeah. Absolutely. Because that's all that's left. Yeah, for right? sure. Um, but I do like the trips. So, you know, I like to do my, my, my sheep hunt. And then I like to do my little moose trips where we go for four or five days. And so do you pay attention to like moon phase and weather patterns and stuff like that? I don't because usually... you. You just got to go when you yeah. got to go. You have the time, you exactly. go anyway. Um, I was actually going to bring that up and ask you what you thought of, of the moon phases. Yeah, I, I do. I, I saw a post about it the other day, and it was sort okay. of controversial whether Well, or not. what's super cool about the Geopack Hunt app is they have an optimal hunting setting on the app. I'm going to bring it up here. So go to the App Store, guys. Download the Geopack Hunt app. And you know what? If you're an American, or even if you're a Canadian, um, you can get unlimited landowner and private land data for every single state in the United States. Um, you don't got to pay per state. You don't got to pay a monthly. fraction of the cost of Onyx. It's like, man, it's like $10 for the whole country for one year. Yeah. 
where a lot of the other places you got to pay monthly and you pay per state or per MD or whatever, where this, you get the whole country of the United States for like 10 or $19 or something. So, you know, for a Canadian, if you want to schedule, like plan a self-guided hunt in Wyoming or whatever, you download this app and you can figure out where the public land is and who owns what land. And yeah, it's phenomenal. So anyways, on the Geopack Hunt app, they have a section, here it is, Optimal Hunting. So what it does is a calculation of um, the weather, the moon phase, uh, moonrise, moonset, weather, and then it figures out the optimal hunting out of five stars, okay? And so today it says one out of five stars. So let's go to the 25th. Yeah, so 18 is a five-star day, and that is because it's a new moon. Yeah. Basically, right? So I will look at this. Like 25th, I'm a two-star, 26th, one-star. So we have a five-star day on September 1st. So now that I see this, because I didn't look into this a while ago, now that I see that we have a full moon on September 1st, if I don't have a whole lot of activity in my cameras come that first three days of archery, I might hold off until the first, mm -hmm. second, and third. Because first, second, and third, first is a five-star second is four star and third is three star and i have had good success hunting animals on on this optimal hunting um the moose that i got last year it was a four star day so we had like a full moon i think a day or two before and so i do pay attention to that um now you know I, do you think specifically the moon plays plays a part in uh, uh animal the, animal movement the moon and the the air pressure Air pressure, definitely. Yeah. 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 And so that's what this app does is it calculates all that and uh, makes it super simple. So you look, September 1st, we have a five-star rating. It even says good activity is between these times and excellent activity is between these times. And you know what? There's no bullshit, bullshit here. It actually is quite accurate. Yeah. Like I'll notice with that. Uh, oh, I know. I killed activity. my whitetail on a, on a four-star day. Did you? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I will look at it. Um, especially for whitetail hunting around here. Now, if I'm going elk hunting, I'm going to have that week planned months in advance. Yeah, exactly. And I don't really look at it like our mule deer hunt. We've already got the dates planned. I didn't look at this. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to whitetail hunting around here, you know, I'll probably go a couple times each week and, um, and I'll definitely use the app. Um, definitely look at weather. Um, if I'm sitting in the stand, I do not want 50 kilometer an hour winds. Um, I don't want it to be dead. I don't want no wind either. I want like a 5, 10, 15 kilometer wind. It keeps the sound down. Um, the scent is good. You know, you get on the right side of that wind and you can uh, you can play that a bit as well. So I do pay a good attention to that when it comes to local hunting around here. But when it comes to trips, um, the dates are the dates really. So. Yeah, well, yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Um, I've noticed with moose definitely... I'm not hugely well-versed in whitetail. I just don't have the whitetail bug that a lot of guys do. Yeah. Um, but with moose, when that moon is full yeah. or bright, um, you got a tough time. They're just so active at night, at night because yeah. they can see and they can continue to feed and they can be safer. Um, that you do see the activity drop during the day. Okay. But, you know, you might have a, an overcast night mm. where the moon's still full and you know it's it goes pitch black it's yeah. just you know and so i don't know it just you only get number of days like you said For the sure, clock's man. always ticking yeah. so 
I'm not going to look up at that moon first thing in the morning, turn around and go back to bed. No, you got to get out there. Uh, it doesn't matter what day it yeah. is. I'm going to, I might go, oh shit. Yeah. But uh, no, I'm still going to go. I'm still going to go with the intention. I might change my plan, but there's no guarantee. And I think I've, I've said this, uh, I always say this, that you just, the only way you're going to be successful is if you're out there. Man, without a doubt. So Stephen and I went elk hunting last year, I think for four or five days. And the weather was like 40 kilometer an hour winds, 50 kilometer an hour winds. I think the the nicest day was like 25 or 30 K winds. And it was so windy. Eh? And so we started hunting an area and um, we were getting some bugles, but they were a far ways away. And we didn't get into elk till we were 10 K back. So we sort of found them on our third day and we ended up hiking out for lunch that day. Like we came back to the trucks or something at one and, um, and we were, we were 10 K back there. So we were about, it, it took us about a little over an hour and a half or so to get back to where we wanted to be. And so that afternoon it picked up to like 45, 50 kilometer winds, just super windy. And then it was calling for a storm, but I'm like, man, you know this, we only have so many days. Let's get back there. And we got back there. We didn't see any elk, but we seen good sign. So we went back the next morning and sure enough, that's when we got onto the elk. That's when we got onto the bull. And it's all because we walked through that shitty weather. It was storming on the way back, super windy. We got soaked. But if it wasn't for that, you know, that moment going back there, um, we wouldn't have been on elk the next day. Yeah. So when you've got a limited amount of time, whether it's three days, five days, or even 10 days, man, you got to make the most of it. And like I said, you can't rewind that clock, right? So, um, if I can schedule, like, let's say, come uh, Saturday the 22nd, if it's calling for 50-kilometer winds and pouring rain all day on the 25th, 26th, I'm not going to hunt it. I'm not going to hunt it because I know that I can reschedule that for two days later or three days later. But if I have a hunt planned with, like, three or four other guys or another guy, or you have he's to got his timed off, right? So then we'll do it. We'll do what we got to yeah. do. Um, but... Yes, I guess what it boils down to is at the end of the day, you just got to make the most well, of if, every single day. Whether and if you have the opportunity to stack your odds, do it. You got to. Yeah. You got to, right? And so if you're in camp and you're, you have the choice of going out in that storm or going out in the wind and just covering ground or sitting at camp, you're stacking your odds by going out, mm -hmm. not by sitting in, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, But then again, you know, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And I have, I have a perfect story of that too. So a couple of years ago, I had, I had a guy in moose camp and, uh, he had a bear tag and a moose tag and he, he was a bigger guy didn't, you know, wasn't much of a walker. He had bad, a bad knee. And, uh, you know, I sort of hiked him around the first couple of days. Like I always do just to sort of, you know, he go into the good spots right away and, and, or, you know, whatever, and, and just see what people are capable of. Yeah. And, you know, by the third day, he was like, oh, man, you know what? My back's killing me. You know, the cot's not really that great for me. And, you know, he was a bigger guy and he did have a bad knee and whatever else. And he's like, I'm just going to sleep in this morning. Okay, fine. So what I'll do is I'll take one of the other hunters that is doubled up with another guide and we'll go one on one. So I took a younger guy that was about uh, 17 at the time and his dad was with the, the outfitter. And uh, so complete change of plans first thing in the morning, right? So. We go down to a different spot, totally, sort of totally different area. We get driving down. I'm talking to this kid, getting to know, you know, what he wants out of his hunt and sort of what we're looking for and, and you know, just about him, get to know him. 
and I ask him, you know, so what, what are you going to shoot today if we, if we see it? Like, are you, are you down to shoot any bull or are you wanting something big? And he's like, you know what? I just sort of have to see it. I said, okay, fair enough. Absolutely. I'm the same way. And not five minutes later, we come up, we're going down a long straight road. We come up and down over a hill and here's a bull walking down the road right towards us, right at shooting light. Like we're watching the clock. I'm like, you can shoot at blah, 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 9.05 and it's 9.08. Wow. And we come over the ridge and there's a moose. And it's walking towards us, walking towards us. And I said, okay, just get all your stuff ready. Make sure you got your bullets in your hand. Make sure your shoes are tied up, you know, get so you can just get out if you have to. And we get closer, get closer, get closer. The bull runs off into the bush, just sort of jumps across the ditch. And I, I rolled my window down and grunted at him, tried to get him to come back out. And then I said, uh, would you shoot that bull? Did you get a good look at him? He said, "If he, he's like, ah, uh, that was a good moose. And he's like, I kind of wanted something with paddles. He said, but I really want the meat. It's more about the meat for me. He's a college kid. He wanted to bring, he had a big list of all the cuts of meat as all his friends wanted. And he was showing it to us in camp before he got there and everything. So he's like, you know what? No, I just want the meat. If you can get him to come back out on the road, if, if he comes back out, I'll shoot him. So I rolled my window down and I grunted two more times. And I said, okay, we'll just sit and wait. He's by himself. He's young. It's just a little three-point bull. Sure enough, this bull walks right back out onto the road. Wow. <laughs> so the kid jumps out. I get him all set up. The bull's kind of calm. I'm grunting at him, keeping the, keeping the bull occupied. And uh, he lets a shot off. Bull sort of starts running again. I kept, he starts running away from us, turned sideways again. I grunted, got him to stop, put another one in him. Then he sort of jumped off the road. I'm like, okay, that, you know, that bull's dead. <clears throat> we got looking down the road. This is another instance of inexperience and excitement. We look for this bull for 45 minutes. We're seeing, okay, there's blood all over the road. Here's the splatter from the first shot. Here's where he stopped. Here's a splatter from the second shot. We had to have run in there, or he had to run in there, he had to run in there. It's kind of muskaggy and like jack pine, so there's not really anywhere for there to be blood. Yeah. It's kind of water laying on the ground. And we did a couple loops and walked, you know, 60-yard circles, and sure enough, eventually we start walking back as the sun comes up, and here's this bull laying half in the water in the ditch oh, right off yeah. the side of the road. Wow. So we find it, we get it loaded. You know, by this time it's only like 10.30, right? So we've only been an hour yeah, or two yeah. of legal light. Yeah. We get this bull loaded in the truck, had to cut it in half, and me and this me and this young guy wrestled it in, into the into the truck. And we start driving back. I'm like, okay, well, I guess we'll go get Buddy, right? He's, yeah. He's got to be up and awake by now and had breakfast. And we're halfway back, and there's a road that divides the two zones. Okay, yeah. And so we're camped in the southern zone. We couldn't hunt. Our tags were good for the northern zone. Okay, yeah, yeah. So we're coming back. Right on that road, there's a cut block on the north side of the road. Well, here's a bull standing in the oh, cup wow. block, a big bull. Oh, jeez. A nice bull. <laughs> and we're flying back, right? We're driving, you know, road speed. Yeah. <clears throat> and I slam on the brakes, and I look at the kid, and he looks at me. I'm like, was that a bull? <laughs> I'm like, I think so. And so we backed up and got eyes on it, and it's standing at, like, 90 yards. Wow. I'm like, shit. Like, all right, okay. And, you know, he's not upset. I was worried he'd be like, oh, frick, like, yeah. could have shot the bigger bull, but... You wouldn't so have like, seen that bull because you would have been farther down that road. And there, that's so. sort of the point this story gets to yeah. is, you know, if we weren't coming back and we had the conversation on the way back, if we weren't coming back, we'd never have seen this yeah. bull. Yeah. So then we're sort of looking at each other for a second. Well, Mark's at camp. Yeah. Mark has a tag still. I wonder if this bull will still be here if we're, <laughs> we're about half an hour from camp. Okay. 
So I floored it. We got all the way back to camp, you know, bouncing down the big dirt road. We got back there about half the the time, moose in the back. And I told the kid, I said, you have to stay with us because I have your bull. We don't have time to do paperwork. You have to come back with us. You can't stay at camp. So we roll into camp, you know, my truck's barely in park. I I jump out of the truck. I'm like, Mark, grab your gun. There's a moose. Get your bag. (laughs) He comes running out of the cook tent. His knee wasn't very sore anymore, obviously. And uh, he grabs his gun. He grabs his bag. I said, you got your tags? You got your rifle? You got bullets? He's like, yep, yep, yep. We go flying back, get on this road. Okay, this moose was here. Let's just walk into the cut block real slow. We walked in, kind of hid behind this big brush pile, called a couple times. You know, it's like 1130 noon by this time. So it's not really that calling period. They sort of stop responding. And, you know, we wait, wait, wait. And then I'm like, okay, well, let's just walk out. And he was working his way that way. Let's just maybe go back onto that that border road and see if we can get eyes on him on the south side. Maybe we can call him back across or maybe whatever. So we come back to the truck. We start rolling down. And he's like, damn, I really wish that moose was still there. I said, well, there's a slim chance, you know, there's a slim chance he might be on this road. Yeah. Sure enough, we turn out onto this road and this moose, not hearing our truck or us walking, comes out of the other zone, walks across the road onto the north side of the zone, going to where we were standing calling. Oh, wow. Heading right for that brush pile we were yeah. hiding behind. So this guy jumps out, puts one or two in him. Moose is done. Wow. Drops him. <laughs> I look over at him. I guess, well, today the early bird doesn't, you know, yeah. the late bird gets the worm too. Yeah. And so I guess the whole point of the story, to make a long story short, is, uh, you know, sometimes, just sometimes, it's in the stars for it to happen. For sure, man. And if that guy hadn't slept in, yeah, neither one of those guys probably would have got a moose that day. Yeah, for sure. And they were both absolutely ecstatic with the bulls they ended up nah, with. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, I firmly believe the harder you work, the better you'll be rewarded um but sometimes some somebody's got to win the lottery for sure man there's got to be a winner somewhere and uh yeah it's just you just never know what's gonna happen and that's why you know that's why i will take five weeks and go live in moose camp right because you just (laughs) no that's too cool there's just nothing like it just nothing you just never know every day is different you never know what you're gonna see you never know what's gonna happen and it's all fun well, that's hunting, man. That's hunting. That's hunting, and hopefully we are, uh, we get the worm. Hopefully we get the worm this spring. <laughs> this spring, our you know early bird definitely got the worm. Yeah, that's right. Well, the season starts in a few days here, so we wish uh, all the best to everybody. And uh, we're still going to have some podcasts coming out. We aren't going to leave you like we did in bear season. So stay tuned. We got more to come. I hope this podcast got everybody as pumped up as me. My heart's racing right oh, now. Oh man, I can't wait. I'm. Uh, I'm itching for archery season. I'm looking here. forward to a camp hunt now. Oh yeah, like um, that mule deer hunt or an yeah. elk hunt or something. Yeah, you got the you got the taste in in bear season there. Yeah. Eh? Well, I know you're all you're talking about it, so I'm getting excited again about that. Yeah. So oh, that's lots of fun. It's home yeah. away from home. Yeah, it really is, man. That bear camp was something else. I had a ton of fun. So it'll be a, a, an exciting fall, guys. This is the the months that we all wait for all year. Um, you know, let's get those uh, guns sighted in, those bows tuned in, and uh, and get ready to sit in the stand or, or hike up a mountain. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it, it feels like it takes forever to get here, and then this last month always flies by, and you feel unprepared. But uh, oh, I feel unprepared every single year. Every single year, I do. Yeah, and you yeah. you know, you just do your best until those first couple of days roll by, and you get back in the zone, and 
yeah, it's uh, it's go time. Right on. Let's wrap her up. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you so much for listening and all the best.